From Audio Boom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers, and top secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Welcome to Travel First with Chris Coleman and Alex First. Welcome along again to Travel First, where we span the globe. We talk about things that we see, things that we do, and we hope that we will entice you to do likewise. Chris Coleman, as usual, is with me, and one of the great things that we must do, most families must do, is to go to Disneyland. Chris has gone there. You're a big kid, aren't you, Chris? I am a big kid. I love Disneyland. I've been there twice. I went in the late 1990s and I was there just a few weeks ago as well. Now, Alex, have you been to Disneyland in in the in California as opposed to the other variants I'm talking about today, Disneyland in California? I have been to Disneyland. I'm trying to remember. This is a large number of years ago, and I don't actually remember which Disneyland I went to. <laughs> it was in the United States... So, so you have the choice of, of Disney in, in California or, or uh, Disney World in well, Florida. Mm, yes, I believe I went to Florida. Okay. So right. Well, let me I, introduce you to the joys of the, of the West Coast version, shall we? Fantastic. And there's Disneyland, of course, elsewhere, like in Hong Kong as well, is there not? Uh, I think there's Hong Kong. There is certainly Tokyo Disney. There is Euro Disney in Paris. And, and I think there may be another couple in the pipeline as well. So... Uh, or certainly there's rumours of another couple in the pipeline as it becomes a, a truly global a global enterprise, a global offering. But Disneyland... Now, since I was last in California in the late 1990s, Disney has actually done a huge amount of work on what's on offer at Anaheim. In the late How ni- big a place is it, Chris? I mean, are, oh, are it's talking, huge. So, so, in other words, if you were to actually see all of it, is that sort of possible within a day or do you need to take days... Uh, to actually go to everything. We tried very hard to do two parks because it, this is the first part is that it has gone from one park to two. Mm-hmm. And we tried very hard to do it in one day. Uh, mainly because, uh, as you know, when, when you're travelling and when you're trying to see as much as you can for A, a bit of a holiday, but B, also because we're doing a review, uh, you sometimes can't achieve everything. We gave it a red-hot go. I would not recommend it. And this is the first thing I really? will say. Be, okay. to, realistically, if you're going to do Disneyland Park and Disney California's Adventures, you need to be prepared for a very, very long day or spend more than, more than a day there. And even then, if you do two days, you probably still won't get to see and or do everything. More on Are that we shortly. talking about a full day? Are we talking about sort of an eight-hour type day here? We were there from nine or just after nine in the morning until well after the sunset. And, oh wow! And yeah. did you get the fast pass? What, what do they call the the, the, the fast pass? Route? I'll I'll, yes. expl- I'll explain the fast pass shortly because it's a little complicated and it it needs to be set up in context. So uh, let's just give you a bit of uh, a bit more background. But of course, they call it the happiest place on earth. Uh, when we went, um, it was holiday season, so it was probably the busiest place we went to. Hang during- on, hang on! I've got to pull you up here. The happiest place on earth That's is the MC. 
<laughs> no, it's the MCG when the mighty fighting Essendon football machine wins one of its 16 premierships. Nothing can top that. <laughs> Don't say that out loud because the Disney Corporation have been known to chase other people who've used the phrase the happiest place on earth from time oh, to time. This was my personal happiness. This was my nirvana. I'm allowed my personal happiness. Disney can't step on me for that, surely. <laughs> Keep on going, my friend. It Keep was, on going. It was probably, though, the busiest place we went to during 16, 17 days across three states of the US. Be prepared for queues. Here are some very quick tips. Be prepared for queues. Take sunscreen and use it. And make sure you keep a bottle of water handy. And I would also strongly suggest, if you're going, think about your accommodation. It is a long way from downtown Los Angeles to Hollywood. It's about 40 k's by my reckoning, from downtown L.A. to Hollywood. Uh, so Sorry, from downtown L.A. to Anaheim. About 50 k's from Hollywood. And if you're staying at Santa Monica Beach, it's upwards of 60 kilometres to Disneyland. So, so how do you actually get there? You drive on a freeway, and it's, it's, it's a long drive. But, but I mean, if you, if you don't have a car... There are buses. There are shuttle buses. Uh, the, I, I and that, does that take an hour or longer? It or? can do. Uh, you, could, you can Uber. I would strongly recommend Uber if you're not driving. Uh, we drove, which was an interesting exercise, and we'll talk more about that in a future episode of Travel First, just quietly. <laughs> but, um, right. yeah, it, it's, it's, it is a long way from anywhere. But this is the other thing, and, again, a wider reflection of Los Angeles here is that everything in Los Angeles is a long way from everything else. It's a long way from Santa Monica to Hollywood. It's a long way from Hollywood to downtown. It's about 10Ks plus. Uh, it's a long way along all the beaches. So be prepared for travel. And LA is not the kind of place you can do in a couple of days. If you want to do stuff like you want to do the California Science Centre and see a space shuttle, if you want to get up close or as close as you can to the Hollywood sign, if you want to do a couple of theme parks, you know, you need to allow a day or more for many of those things. So... Um, so, you know, L.A. is a city where you do need to uh, allow additional travel factors. Now, ticketing. I'm not going to get into the pricing policy because there's a multitude of ticketing options available. You can get single park, single-day admission to multi-day passes for both parks. Uh, the Disney people were very kind to us. They gave us a single-day park hopper pass for me and my wife. Uh, and thank you very much to the Disney people for doing that. These are a good option if you do only have one day because you can, as much as you like, move back and forth between the two parks. So you can go out from the, the Disneyland Park into California Adventures and back and forth across the day. Big tip, get hold of a map. Get hold of that before you go and try and work out from that what you want to do. Put together a list because there are rides, there are shows, there are exhibitions, there's food and shops galore, a little bit pricey, but there's plenty of them. Photo opportunities are everywhere and Disney are very good at making sure you have the chance to get mementos of your trip, both paid and unpaid. They have photographers aplenty. Now, the photographers will snap you with their gear and you can get those photos attached to a database so you can develop, uh, download them later. Now, there's a cost for that. If you don't want to carry a camera, though, and I carry, you know, I have, as, as we've discussed before, I have a, a digital SLR camera. I also have a phone camera. If you don't want to carry a digital SLR camera all day, this is a godsend because you get your card that has a scanning code on it and you can pick up your photos later, download them, professional shots... And if you, don't want to, if you don't want a lot of photos, well, you don't have to have your camera and carry it all day. They also have a similar system for many of the ride photos. You know the action rides that you can get your photos yeah, yeah, on in mid-screen? Mm -hmm. They have a similar deal for that, and I thought it was fabulous, and we bought a couple of these. But how, how much are we talking about for the photos? Uh, it was about 15 bucks for a, for a good quality photo. But it's also it's a downloadable photo, and you can download this 10 times, print off a 10 copies, and, and give them to 10 friends. 
So if you, if you are suitably inclined and you want to you know, send off photos of yourself at Disneyland, it's not a bad option. And, and look, fifteen bucks. We're talking fifteen bucks Aussie or fifteen bucks US. Fifteen bucks US for the the ride photos. I did, I don't know what the pricing was for the. Uh, the other option of, of, of just the, the happy snaps around the park, mainly because, as I said, I carry a digital SLR. I saw it in action, and I thought afterwards, you know, I probably didn't need to carry my camera. The other thing is you can review the photos before you download them, I w- would be my imagine, uh, what I imagine is how the system works. But if you don't want to carry a camera around... And the other thing about the, the ride photos, too, buying the downloadable version means you don't buy a photo that you then have to try and carry around a physical photo that you carry around all day trying to avoid bending it, getting it wet, spilling food on it or whatever, and then getting it mm-hmm. home. So that's a big thumbs up there. Now, let's talk about the fast pass. Now, this is in place at both parks, and it works on selected rides, and what you do is you reserve a spot for yourself to bypass the main queue. It doesn't cost any extra to do it, but it does require some thought because you can largely have only one active fast pass reservation at a time. And that's something we didn't realise until we'd reserved a spot on one ride uh, for about 90 minutes later. Then we went to another ride, tried to reserve on a different feature, and suddenly realised, oh, we're now going to have to get back to there, and we can't reserve anything else. So we learned that lesson very quickly. It's still a good idea, and it means you can plan your day to some degree once you're inside the park, because before you make your fast pass booking, you actually get an indication of the wait time for the feature, as opposed to an indication as to when your turn would come up with the pass. Well, by the way, totally unrelated but important, you were there during, what, their summer? We were there early summer. We were there actually around Memorial Day, so there were a lot of people taking holidays. How busy? About the busiest place we went to in the States. It was certainly busier than the Grand Canyon, busier than Santa Monica, which is... Could uh, you walk freely between various rides without sort of bumping into people, or was it hard to even walk between rides. Oh, no, no, there's still plenty of place to move around, but I think, that, again, that's just uh, underscores the size of the theme park. 72 mm. acres uh, for Disney's California Adventures, and the other park is about the same size. I'm not actually so, sure what 72 acres is, it's, uh, other than it sounds big. It's big. It, it is big. Um, just to finish off on the fast pass, though, and then, and then we'll come to a little bit more specific detail. It, so to reiterate, it doesn't eliminate the queue, but it can drastically shorten the waiting time for most rides. In the case of one ride, there was a 90-minute wait advertised when we returned for our booking. Wow. But because we had the fast pass queue, we had maybe 15 minutes there. So let me say up front, I won't detail every ride in the park today for two reasons. One, we didn't get onto them all. And two, unless you want this podcast to go for about two hours, uh, describing all the rides and everything we did would take far too long. But I'll give you a list of must, my must-do well, list I was gonna, at the can end. You, can you work it up to your favourite ride? Can we, we do it that way? We will, get, we will get to that at the end because I think what uh, I need to do is to go through the, the, the the experience of the day and then give you what, what uh-huh. I think are the must-dos. So, Disney's California Adventures, it's the newer of the two parks and is built, believe it or not, on what used to be the car park of the old park. Uh, <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, so yes. It does mean that car parking is at a massive premium nearby. Uh, several people uh-huh. assured us that Disney's California Adventures was the better park of the two. 72 acres, opened in 2001. It had some initial struggles to attract crowds, but it was considerably refurbished, and by last year, 2015, at the time of recording, it had become the 11th most visited theme park in the world. 
Now, we decided to avoid the opening crush and got there about 20 minutes after the gates opened. But being a Saturday, there were plenty of people descending on the parks and the numbers of people coming in didn't decrease much during the day because we crossed over to the second park later in the day. There were still a lot of people arriving. Uh, we grabbed a map beforehand so we knew where, we, where to go to arrange our tickets for what is proving to be one of the biggest Disneyland attractions in a long time, the Live at the Hyperion Frozen stage show. It's a larger-than-life stage presentation of the story of Anna and Elsa. It's a show that drew its fair share of adults, but way more than its fair share of pre-teen girls. Most important, this is one of those ones where you get your fast pass, you doesn't, it doesn't detract from other stuff, but if you don't get it, get your ticket early, you're not going to get a ticket. It's presented several times a day, no extra charge on top of the park admission. Uh, the only way to assure yourself of, of admission is to go to the Hyperion Theatre at the start of the day where they allocate tickets for the shows for the rest of the day until each is booked out. Now, if some people don't turn up, you might get a standby ticket, but don't bank on that. So, hang on. You, the last time I actually saw you being a preteen girl, you weren't one. I wasn't. So, no, no, I, I didn't think you were. <laughs> but so is that something that you as a, a sort of average kind of bloke enjoyed? I thought it was a very well-put-together show, uh, and I think... In years to come, a lot of people will go along to it. It'll become one of these family things. It is going to appear on Broadway in 2017 or 2018 as a fully-fledged musical. It's following the path of Aladdin. Aladdin, ah. the, the musical, had a 13-year run at Disneyland and has now moved to, a st to the stage. It's had a run on Broadway, and it is actually playing in Sydney as we record this podcast. So, again, this is, this is the new Disney thing. You know, they have the, live, the, the animated movie, then the live stage show. The Lion King did it. Aladdin's done it now. It's happening with Frozen. So, yeah, Broadway 2017, 2018, uh, and you can bet your bottom dollar, probably Australia about 2019 would be, would be my guess for it there. Fantastic. Now, it's, it's a good show. It, it is mm -hmm. a good show. It is staged in front of a crowd of about 2,000 people with a relatively short turnaround time between shows. Um, because of this, you, you have to wait in a lengthy line before admission. Even though each show is ticketed, you still have to get there early to line up to get into the theatre. So on a hot day, make sure you've got some water with you. Uh, it has is a, it, sorry, is this a girly-girly show or is this a really males and females equally would like the show? More a girly-girly show, I think. Okay. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you're a, but if, he, uh, what we thought it was great for was it was a chance to sit down and still be still get some <laughs> top-class entertainment. Don't get me wrong, it, it is a top-class show. It is, it is, sure. a, it is a full, fully-fledged uh, high-tech LED video wall of the background, acres of what they call aurora curtaining. So from the minute you walk into the theatre, you get immersed into a, in, in the experience. The stage, as the, as the crowd walks in, looks like a swimming pool. It's such an effective, uh, realistic effect that a little girl sitting behind us actually asked her mother if she could go down for a paddle in the pool. <laughs> now, it was a very hot day, but what you get is a cut-down version of the story of the movie. It runs at just a tick over 45 minutes, and effectively, if you love the movie, you'll enjoy it. I would suggest really little kids will either need their handheld during the course of it, or maybe just be aware that, say, during Christoph's sled journey, I'm sure you remember that from the movie where the wolves are coming around. It's mm. just, it gets very, very realistic and quite scary for the little he's in there. But it has bubbles of snow, the big chandelier comes down, a spectacular moment when a shining staircase f appears for Elsa to sing Let It Go On. The vocals are strong, the jokes, look, they're a little obvious, but it was good fun, uh, and I think if, you, if you're going for a family experience, you'll get precisely that. They also do opportunities to meet and greet the car, 
cast. Um, and again, there's a time ticketing system in place for that. It is the biggest highlight at the moment. It is the most popular thing and probably will be for another 12 months or more, Frozen the Live Stage Show at Disney's California Adventures. But there's a lot more to the park. Shall I tell you about the rest of the park? Why don't you tell me about the rest of the park? Go for it. So you have... It's divided up into seven lands in total. And by my count, there's more than 30 major attractions at the California Adventures Park. At the centre of the park, great fun. uh, Mickey's Fun Wheel, a Ferris wheel, which has some stationary and some sliding cabins. And the sliding cabins, as we discovered when we got in, move a lot more when you're in them than it looks like they're going to move from the ground. There's the classic wooden-looking roller coaster. It's actually very high-tech steel construction. It's called California Screamin'. Very clever. Something a little further down the adrenaline meter. uh, Goofy Sky School. You would have been to, for example, the Royal Melbourne Show at some stage, Alex, and seen the Mad Mouse ride there. Yes, indeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. Goofy Sky School, basically the Mad Mouse just uh, with, with a goofy Disney theme, but it's great fun uh, there. For me, the most surprising fun was actually on the Radiator Springs races from the, the mo- or based on the movie Cars. It's, it goes mm-hmm. at great speed. Warning, 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 don't wear your hat. Uh, because we saw so many hats that had been lost from people (laughs) on that ride. Uh, And the other fun one for us at Disney California Adventures was the Toy Story Mania ride. You play a variety of kid-themed games uh, on on a buggy as it moves through an arcade, for example, like shooting video pies at targets and so on, and you compete against the person you're sitting next to for a higher score. It's not complicated, it's just good fun, and that abounds in Disney's California Adventures. Like I said, if you have a day or a half a day in the park, there's no way you'll be able to take every ride. But I would really give a strong recommendation you check the Disneyland website because it lists every ride in the park. It gives the height restrictions and also age recommendations. Um, If you're not into the rides, there's plenty of other stuff as well. There's several sessions a day to see animation secrets, get some hands-on drawing time uh, and so on. So that's uh, Disney's California Adventures in a nutshell. After a few hours there, and it was probably five and a half, maybe six hours in Disney's California Adventures, including the Frozen show, we moved across to Disneyland Park. Now, I was really looking forward to this one because this is the one I'd previously visited in the late 1990s, and I wanted to see if it had been revitalised since then because, to be frank, in the late 1990s, it was looking just a little bit tired. And my overarching memory of it, and I was there on holidays on that one, not as as a reviewer, but my overarching memory of that trip was that it was maybe a little more directed on enticing people to spend money as opposed to having a good time. That mm-hmm. was then, I'm pleased to say, largely a better experience this time. Uh, again, lots of people, plenty of lines, but weirdly, for no apparent reason, at some time, at some rides, the lines would sometimes dramatically shorten for a few minutes. Uh, you know, If you've got a suitably inclined academic standing by, they could probably get a large scientific study of crowd behaviour here. <laughs> All I'll say is it meant that, for for example, for us, the Haunted Mansion, which is one of the classic uh, attractions in Disneyland Park, we got a 10-minute wait, despite the sign saying close to half an hour. And again, for the Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters, which was, again, good fun, maybe 15 minutes when it was saying 30 to 45. So, so, so in terms of waiting, 10 minutes was the smallest amount of time that you had to wait, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, in the two, I'm talking about the two parks now. In the two parks. Uh, and and it, what was the longest t- the time that you had to wait? <laughs> the longest time we had to wait was probably uh, well, the Indiana Jones adventure, which I'll detail more. We took a fast pass for that. We still had a 25-minute queue 
the regular queue was monstrously long, like more than See, 90 I mean, this, minutes. You, you talked about, I think, 30 rides in... Was that in the other In the park? other park, and similar so, number in this park. And similar, yeah. So you've got 60 rides, and, I mean, if you're waiting on average, even with a fast pass, if you're waiting on average 15 minutes... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's impossible to get through anywhere near that in and, a day. And that's the exercise. That's the aim of the idea, is to get people to come back and, and have multiple days. Clever. It's, of course it's clever, yeah. but... In terms of with young kids, I'm thinking about families because I mean that's one of the first things that I remember most kids asking is, "Oh, can I go to Disneyland? Can I go to Disneyland? What age do you reckon is the right age to actually take a child, personally, or a grand or a grand kid if you want?" Yeah, personally, I wouldn't take a kid under about the age of seven. Mm-hmm. And even then, I reckon, and the Disney people probably won't like me saying this. Even a patient seven, eight, or nine-year-old, they're going to get tired. I reckon well, about that, ten. So, yeah, uh, and, and see, this is the other thing. I mean, you spent from virtually dawn to dusk there. I mean, if you spend what five or six hours there, and you do what you've suggested, you look at your map and you determine what you want to do. I mean, I'm imagining that if you buy a pass for a few days, it's cheaper than buying a pass for oh, one day. Oh, it is, day. yeah, it is. Pro rata. Yeah, but yeah, again, so like I, mean, I said, there, there are so many variations on the ticket packages. If you buy in advance, if you buy multiple park passes, multiple day passes, uh, it's, it's, it, is, it is something to take a bit of time. Even ask a travel agent uh, for advice. Clearly, it's a well-oiled machine. I mean, I, I, look, a lot of people have said there's nothing quite as slick, as good as Disney because it's great quality and it's also been tried and tested for so long and it just gets better and better. Obviously, technology improves and and so on and they wouldn't be opening new parks unless there was a demand for them. Well, exactly, exactly. And uh, so Disneyland Park was the original park. It opened up uh, back in the oh, was it the 50s or the 60s, but it was it was a long time back uh, when it, when it opened up. Uh, some of the rides, and I, I should mention this, some of the rides, and I mentioned uh, the uh, the Haunted Mansion, for example, uh, which we got into after uh, the sign said 30 minutes and we got about 10 minutes in there. Opened in 1969, and in some parts it did actually feel a little bit old. It was still enjoyable, don't get me wrong. Lots of darkness uh, yeah, through the, the subterranean pathway, past ghosts, ghouls, tombstones, ravens, the whole box and dice. Uh, but just it, it felt a little bit tired. Then you've got the Buzz Lightyear ride, which is a similar concept to the Toy Story ride in the other park, but this time you're shooting one of those light guns at targets. Um, it's very modern, very slick and good fun. The one I really wanted to get onto, as I mentioned, Indiana Jones Adventure, which we, even though we took a fast pass booking, had a good 25-minute wait to get on board in a very, very crowded waiting area. Uh, I got onto, on it, onto it just after it had opened in the 1990s, and again, I was a guest of the park back then. I was able to ride it a few times. You can't do that now because the queue is just so long. Uh, the ride itself has several uh, bits of technology, clever bits of technology that control the speed and the intensity, so... If you were to do it two or three times in a row, you won't get the same experience. It'll be similar, mm. but it won't be the same. The, and how the, long are the rides themselves? Well, how that long one, that one was about 12 minutes, I'd reckon, for the ride. Wow. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's so it, it is good value. Like I said, you've got to wait, and that's probably one of the reasons why you've got to wait, because the ride itself is so long. Um, you, know, you do also, by the way, if you want to experience Indiana Jones style, a large, large, large round stone rolling straight at you, you get to do that. It's, it is very well put together and you think it's mm-hmm. a real stone in there. The other long ride was the Pirates of the Caribbean and I reckon it took more than 15 minutes. 
I didn't actually. Gee, and what's watch the on shortest it. of them? We've, we've gone to the top end. What about the bottom end? Uh, um, the, I reckon the Buzz Lightyear one was probably about seven or eight. I didn't run a watch across the rides because, uh, quite frankly, I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, oh. yeah, but the, the long, I reckon the longest one for the, we took was, was Pirates of the Caribbean, and I do remember it was over fifteen minutes. Uh, longest. Well, I'm, I'm really impressed. I yeah. mean, that is that is sensational because. Okay, if you go on a ride in a sort of a, I don't know, carnival type atmosphere, it's over in about two or three minutes. You know? Yeah, so, well, actually thinking about that, the goofy ride, the goofy roller coaster would have been maybe three, three and a, three or four minutes. Um, there was the the Disney rockets we were going to get on, but the wind picked up too much, and we were just about to get on when the wind alarm went off, and they cancelled that run on us. So I don't know how long it would have gone for, but I reckon it would only have been four or five. Uh, but you know, for the big experience rides, yeah, they set it up. Uh, to, to actually give you a good time on board uh, or a good time in, in, inside. So Pirates of the Caribbean, by the way, th- did you know that was the last ride at Disneyland where construction was overseen by Walt Disney himself? Oh, I didn't know that, no. Yeah, no, and, and I've told you this before. Do you realise I've got an original Walt Disney signature? I'm aware of this. We, we were looking for mm. Walt Disney uh, in there <laughs> because there, there are rumours. There are rumours that he has been cryogenically frozen and is stored under the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. I can tell you that is not true. It is just oh, a rumour. Don't is, burst my bubble. Come on. It is very cool and very dark in the Pirates of the Caribbean, but it is not you're cool enough to, to keep that... him frozen for 15 no, years. No, no, no. You're about to tell me that Santa Claus doesn't <laughs> exist. I'm, I'm now blocking my ears no 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 and and what about the tooth fairy uh, <laughs> keep on going chris okay let's get to the evening because if you do persevere for a full day and like i said i it's if it, for most people it'll be a once in a lifetime experience for people traveling from australia you're going to try and cram as much into a day or two as possible. I mean, Americans have it made here because they can get there and spend two or three days relatively, or three or four days relatively easily. For Australians, we travel halfway around the world. We're going to jam in as much as we can. You get to the dark and the day is not done. There's a massive fireworks display which comes up over both parks. It's also, by the way, easily visible from nearby hotels if you have decided to leave the park. Uh, Disney California Adventure Park was featuring a special Diamond Anniversary World of Colour light show at the end of the day while we were there. That's due to finish actually around about now while we're recording this podcast. I don't know what will replace it. Disneyland Park has a Paint the Night Parade, uh, which is also scheduled to finish soon and will only return on special occasions. It's incredible. Uh, Floats with more than one and a half million lights of various types. It's it's it is something that words cannot describe. So please don't ask me to, other than to say, lots of lights everywhere. And if you hear if you're in if if you hear that it's going to be on when you're visiting, because it will come back for special occasions, make sure you 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 get yourself a good position for it. Uh, Now you're after the recommendations. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, if you have a younger child, say 7 to 12, you're probably better to go to the Disneyland Park. If you have teenagers, they'll probably have a better time at California Adventures. And indeed, at California Adventures, there were several schools, uh, high school graduation parties happening on the day we were visiting. So, uh, again, that I think uh, shows the the age groups there. The rides to, to, to do. At Disney's California Adventures... If you're a roller coaster fan, get yourself on California Screaming. You won't regret it. For families with kids older than about 10, get on Mickey's Fun Wheel. Your choice whether you take a stationary or a sliding car. If your kids like a bit of a thrill ride, get them into the sliding car. But be warned, 
you will feel at stages like you're going to fall out of the thing. Um, if you've got little kids... Uh, Wonderful. If you've got little kids... <laughs> you remember Heimlich from the, the movie A Bug's Life, the big fat blobby grub in A Bug's Life? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about the Heimlich, Heimlich <laughs> manoeuvre, but no, no. Right. Something entirely different. Yes, yeah, thank you. They, they have Heimlich's choo-choo train, choo as in C-H-E-W, choo-choo train, Great for families with little kids. For teens and adults, the Grizzly River Run, you're going to get wet. It's a typical splash through the rapids ride. It's great fun. I love those. Yeah, good stuff. But like mm-hmm. I said, my favourite, and I think for anyone who makes the height requirement, the Radiator Springs races, races. Get on it. Get a fast pass. Book, book it early in the day. Get a second ride in later in the day if you can. Crossing to Disneyland Park, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, probably the premium family attraction in my book. Uh, I appreciate that there are many Star Wars-themed things and so on, but uh, it was just great fun. The Indiana Jones adventure, kids over about 10. I reckon kids under than that probably A, won't get it, and B, might not like the dark so much. Um, If you've got little kids, go to uh, anything in Small World, including the It's a Small World After All ride. Be warned, the song will get stuck in your head. But if you've got little I'd kids... I'd be perfect. I, I'm vertically challenged. This would be perfect for me. Thank you. Yes, good. But you know the one? It's a small uh, world after all. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it will get stuck in your head. But if you've got little kids, they will love it. Hyperspace Mountain is awesome for teens and adults. And again, for anyone, the Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters uh, game is great fun to go through as there. And I have but two other things. One is that you. One is a must-do. In Disneyland Park, there is Sleeping Beauty's Castle. In front of Sleeping Beauty's Castle, there is a statue of Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse, and you can get your photo Uh, taken in front of Walt and Mickey's statue, Sleeping Beauty's Castle in the background. They'll even use your camera to take your photo to do that. They're not precious about it at all. They want you to have the memento. Uh, And if you want to get a selfie, you can do it further, further away uh, so you're not obstructing other people. So that is one thing that is an absolute must. Yes, we did that. And the other is, as you know, Disney bought Star Wars recently. There's a lot of Star Wars-themed stuff there. There's a great Star Wars exhibition. And you get to, or you could while we were there, you could meet Kylo Ren, the new baddie from Star Wars The Force Awakens, and you got, and I got to meet Chewbacca. And if you can speak Wookiee, you go... <laughs> if you can do that... It will be more fun than you can possibly imagine. Ah, Star Wars Nirvana. What a great point. I like it. I like it very much. It sounds like you had a good time, a very, very good time. And I think that most people still would go to California and say, hey, Disneyland, we've got to allow a couple of days to do that. By the sounds of things, you've got to allow a few days to do it if you want to do it all. Otherwise, you get a bit of a sneak peek and you don't have to spend 12 hours in there. You can spend five or six, but you have to be a bit more selective, correct? Yeah, I I would recommend give yourself at least six hours, maybe seven. If If you don't want to spend a full day there, I would really suggest either get there early and leave mid afternoon or get there mid afternoon and stay there till the park closes because you're either going to get yourself into a lot of rides or you're going to have to pick and choose your rides more carefully, but you get the fireworks. So if you, if, if you know your kid's attention span is, is only going to last seven or eight hours, 
take your pick. Do you want you do, do you want to go the, do the rides or do the fireworks? Because that that's the balance you've got to achieve. And I, again, I cannot thank the Disney people enough for for arranging access for me and my wife to have free uh, free reign of the park. Uh, and, and no conditions were placed on this review either, Alex. I think we need to make that very no, clear. They were happy for really us to good. say whatever we liked. No, it's terrific. It's really good that they've done that. And uh, then I can take them along when Essendon next makes the grand final and call that my Nirvana experience. <laughs> Am I allowed to do that? It'll be a while. <laughs> oh, now don't be like that. You have been listening to Travel First. I'm cutting him off at the knees at this point. That was Chris's grand adventure at Disneyland. We are going to do it all again. Just tune in around about seven days. And, uh, yeah, it's all called Travel First. You've been listening to Travel First. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. From Audioboom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers and top secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell. And together, we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.